prosthetic little saggy tits. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. It's nearly 2 a.m. and we're still sealed in this building. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with a perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the superfly space guy, Mac. Hola, muchachos. The gore lover, Alexis. She has tonsillitis. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. Hola. And the scream queen, Paris. Tranquila. The people have spoken this week, and our patrons have decided we're checking out a Spanish film from 2007. Before we get down to business, though, we have some follow-up. Let's follow up on a movie. Okay, so as you may or may not recall, we recently reviewed the film Tremors from the year 1990. Ryan, you were not on this episode. Have you seen Tremors? Honey. (laughs) That southern accent kind of implies that maybe you did. Really? It's such a classic. No, I have not, unfortunately. That's fine. I have, however, been asked several times what I thought of it, and I have unfortunately had to confess that I was not on the episode and haven't watched it yet. I think if I had to guess, I would say you'd be Team Hack, but I don't know how you feel about Reba. Oh my god, I'm pretty into Reba, not gonna lie. Okay, so who's to say? Reba McIntyre. Yeah, Reba's in it. Yeah, I, I do know the song. Now, if you want to hear what we really thought about that movie, go ahead and listen to that episode. But we wanted to hear what our listeners thought. So the votes are in and 18% gave it a hack and the other 82% slashed Tremors. I guess a lot of people love this movie. Wow. It's a classic. Yeah, it's well-deserved. It's good. It's fun. Listen to the episode if you haven't already. Ryan, listen to the episode. Watch the movie. Listen to the first half, decide if you want to watch it, and then listen to the second half after you've seen it. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. We have a couple comments from our listeners. Tony on Twitter said, I do wish that there was more of a body count and with that more gore, yet it was still enjoyable. I'm with Mac and Alexis this time around, giving Tremors a soft slash. That's the right team to be on, Tony. Totally. We have another comment from Alexander on Twitter who said, this is one of my favorite movies from my childhood. The scene where they pull the hat off of the ground to show the old man's face always made me jump. I recently rewatched it for your podcast and I still love it. This is why I don't go pulling hats off the ground. You never know what you're going to find underneath. We have another comment from one of our patrons, Gregory, who said, This movie is absolutely a slash. It had Kevin Bacon and Reba McIntyre. It had underground killer worms. It had giant guns. It had great practical effects. What more do I need? A better performance and a better plot. I don't know, a whole lot of better things. (laughs) Hey, it's all about the big guns and Reba. (laughs) honestly the only thing in that whole description that got me was the practical effects everything else i was like this is not convincing at all the practical effects absolutely they were good but they were also very like turd like and finally i had to dig through the comments to find one hack and our girl Brittany came through she said uh i don't have the nostalgia for this so luckily i just see it as it is a snooze fest in the desert and a very unattractive leading man sorry mr bacon the worms couldn't keep my attention it's a hack Brittany, well done and you know, you know that when, when we need balance, I feel like me and Brittany are here. We got this. And finally, we'd like to take a moment to thank some of our newest patrons, Amy and Nico. Amy and Nico, thank you so much for joining our Patreon family. If you haven't already, join our Discord. It is now live to both patrons and listeners alike. We're actually live streaming this episode as we speak. So that's one of your perks as a patron. Uh, and thank you so much for joining the family again. We hope to hear you featured on an upcoming follow-up episode. And that's our follow-up.
In October 2008, two films took the American box office by storm. Beverly Hills Chihuahua and Quarantine, a found footage horror film starring Jennifer Carpenter. What audiences may not have known at the time, however, was the fact Quarantine was an American remake of a Spanish film released one year prior. The film follows a television reporter named Angela, her cameraman, and two firefighters they've been following for a news program. The group responds to an emergency call about a woman trapped in her apartment, but when they arrive on scene, they find themselves mysteriously trapped in the building, with tensions rising among the tenants as they struggle to understand why. This week, we're talking about Wreck, which ran away with 38% of the overall patron vote. Now, Matt, the nominator, said, Wreck is probably my favorite found footage horror of all time. The group is always asking if a movie scared them, and I'm curious how it fares to the pod. I find this movie genuinely scary. There's something about this movie that feels like it was actually just caught on camera and uploaded to LiveLeak or something. There is some shaky cam going on, but I don't think it's a detriment to this movie. I actually think it adds to the realism, and I think it's an original zombie movie. Sue me. Well, we'll see if that lawsuit's going to stand in court, but for now, who's seen this one before? So I actually saw Quarantine in theaters when it came out, and then... I also watched the original Wreck in Spanish, like the dubbed version, sometime in my college years. So this is a movie I've actually seen a few times before tonight. Wow, that is very interesting. Very interesting. It's very shocking to me. I wouldn't even say it's interesting. It's just flat out surprising. (laughs) (laughs) So my parents had this weird cable and somehow they actually had a horror channel. So I remember watching this with my sister and specifically definitely before quarantine came out. But this was still a few years ago. But I had to text her to make sure I'm like, we saw this one, right? And she goes, yeah, we saw this one. (laughs) Yeah, I actually had no idea quarantine was a thing until we were just talking about it. And I looked it up. I don't think I've seen that. I definitely haven't seen this. I didn't know that it existed. This one's very Ryan's brand. Never heard of it. Never seen it. And I'm going to copy Ryan. I had never heard of this. Never seen it until it landed uh, on the list for the pod. Okay, look, I'm actually very surprised because I feel like quarantine was a moment when it came out, specifically because of its last scene, which is also part of the poster for the film. But I saw that when it came out, and I remember really liking it, especially its ending. But at the time, I had no idea it was a remake, and I found out a couple years later, but I just never got around to seeing this. Everything I've ever heard indicated that this was going to be like a far superior version, Uh, especially since I heard it was near shot for shot. And I heard that the quarantine just couldn't do what this one did. So I expected it personally to have a lot less gore, but be more intentional in its cinematography. But for those of you who haven't seen it, what were you expecting? I had very low expectations for this movie, mostly because I was one of the last of us to see it. And so after hearing about Shaky Cam, which everyone knows I absolutely abhor, and dubbing, like forced dubbing, no option to listen listen to the original audio in any kind of rental or purchase format, I just was expecting to have a bad time. So I, I, again, did this thing that I normally don't do, which is I saw what the Rotten Tomatoes score was before. And it's actually like 89% or something for this movie. So I was kind of going in with some high hopes. I mean, you know, a found footage movie, really not my jam. I didn't know it was going to be a lot of like shaky cam, but I was I was thinking there was an opportunity for a good movie to be here. That was my expectation going in. Chris, you mentioned that this movie was a moment when it came out, and it definitely was, and I think that's why I saw it in theaters. But I had also just a few years prior seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose starring Jennifer Carpenter, and that's actually what drew me to see Quarantine when it came out, because I was like, oh, Emily Rose is in this. Let's go see what that's about. 
One thing I did not remember, though, was the runtime of this movie being so short. This is the tightest movie we've ever watched on the pod, isn't it? It's absolutely not, because Host from 2020 was way shorter than this. It was less than an hour. Oh, yeah. Okay, so speaking of Host, I actually decided to watch this with the original Spanish dialogue and subtitles, even after I had paid $3.99 to rent the dubbed version, because just like five minutes into the dubbed, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And Chris dropped a questionable link in the chat. Cough, cough link. And I was like, you know what? Let me just watch the the dubbed version because I, or the subbed version because I don't think I ever have before. And I actually watched it on my iPad because I remember when we watched Host, I think it was Alexis and Ryan, they were like, oh, we watched this on our laptop or like on our iPad or something. And it like heightened the experience. And I was like, you know what? This is found footage. Let me like give it that kind of a watch. But see, the thing about the runtime is we've always said we love a tight 120. So you guys are going on and on about how short this is, but it's not that short. It's not like a 60 minute movie. I mean, I don't know. Which would be an hour. So, the, so you know, one of the yeah. original like considered titles for this was 70 minutes. I know. I'm just saying like we, our thing is a tight 120. So like, what are you guys on about it being a bit short? Like, I think it's perfect. For me, it just, it felt longer than that. It felt like it was an hour and a half. And I think just mm-hmm. because I was feeling so tense in this movie and surprisingly, knowing that this scene is set up in a, you know, high-rise apartment complex. I felt so claustrophobic watching this. You know, there's so many exits in this building, yet they're not able to get to them. And it's just, it just, oh my gosh. And help is so close, yet so far. And it was just like really had me on the edge of my seat in 10. So it didn't feel like 70 minutes. It felt like an hour and a half. I totally agree. I don't think it felt too short. That's why I'm saying like, it's not really a short runtime because it doesn't feel short. Like it's, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. When I say arguably too tight, I mean, I actually wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of this fleshed out. I do think it's well cut. I think it's well trimmed for what it is. I don't think you need more, but I think the overall feeling that I got from this was that I'm actually okay living in this situation and I wouldn't mind seeing a couple more things. Now, I don't know what you could logistically add to really add value there, but it wasn't something where I was like dreading and just waiting for this to be over. I think one of the things that stands out to me is, you know, how tense this movie is, despite the fact I've seen Quarantine. The cast is significantly smaller and there's actually enough differences between the two that allowed me to have a good time with this and appreciate it as a standalone product, which I did not expect going into it. I, I The runtime was okay for me. You know, I felt it was a little long because most of it, I was not able to watch the movie. I texted Ryan that I think I need a Dramamine when watching this movie. I just do not do well anytime there's shaky cam and it will ruin any... It could be the greatest movie on earth, but if there's a shaky cam and I look at it, I feel like I need to throw up. And that's like a major accessibility problem for me. It was really bad. Really? Yes. I am not like particularly sensitive to it. I just notice it, I'd say. Like it doesn't bother me the way it bothers Mac, but especially in the beginning of this movie where it seemed like we could have had a lot more steadiness because really they weren't doing anything. It was just shaky and handheld for no reason. And if you ever think you're going to put this footage on a television, this shaky, kill me now. Because like, it was just, just especially in the beginning. I understand when like the chaos happens and we get to that point, but like we were like kind of on Blair Witch level here for a bit and I, I can't do it. I cannot handle it. It's just... It's a big distraction for me. It takes me out of any enjoyable experience that I could be having. 
I wonder if it's because you had seen so many found footage before you had seen this movie. So this is like one of maybe a few of the first that I've seen that were like this. I've probably only ever seen like three found footage movies. Have you seen Cloverfield? No. Yeah. That one's bad. That one's worse than this. I would say no. Way worse. That was amazing. (laughs) God. But that one. From the shakiness, she says. She's (laughs) saying from the shakiness. I worked at a movie theater. People were throwing up. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry that you've been traumatized this way by found footage and shaky cam, but I fucking love it. I think what was cool, though, is looking back to the era that this is made, 2007. I started my career in broadcast and electronic news gathering in 2008. And oh my gosh, I remember how painful it was having to film on these cameras. You can't put sticks everywhere. You can't fucking use a tripod everywhere. And I'm sorry, but like stabilizers and rigs were just way too expensive for so many things. So I thought this actually had a great balance of trying to stabilize things by hand when you can, where you really just did need someone who was kind of bulky and like had a great center of gravity to try to stabilize as much as they could in the moment. There is going to be some some movement there, but I wasn't bothered by the shake at all. It was shake and bake and it helped for me. I really enjoyed it. I love a shake and bake pork chop. Okay. 2001, catch me with a shake and bake pork chop as a child. But no shaky cam, please. If I had seen this when it came out, I would not have had a problem. It was around 2009 when I suddenly developed horrible vertigo. Up until that point, like literally a year or two before that is when I was seriously considering trying to fly aircraft for the military and like investigating that option. And then I woke up one day in 2009-ish and I felt like someone punched me in the head. And from that point onward, like literally laying the wrong way, I get horrible vertigo. So uh, I can't even watch a video of somebody doing a barrel roll without feeling the effect how tragic for you it it really is because you know i I don't think it's necessarily like a bad tactic to use when you're trying to film a movie and make it more realistic i think just in my old age and shaky brain i would prefer that like true crime style of filming because that seems a bit more realistic for me because i can at least watch it fair enough fair enough i mean i did see batman the other day in imax three rows from the front and i was like i I might have a seizure up here but this wasn't this wasn't too bad I'll, I'll say the thing that surprised me though when i'm able to look at it you know i could stomach it for a little bit and then i have to kind of look away but like listening to it as a story it actually would work really well as an audio drama i could totally see this being like a, a podcast um, because there's so much going on in the environment and i know some of it was the dubbing and that's a little bit hard to get through but there's a lot going on audio wise that I actually enjoyed, you know, they added to kind of the visceral feel, not just with what's on screen, but with what's off screen. Some of this film is in the dark and you have to figure out what's going on by the sound. And I was okay with that because that's kind of how I was spending the whole movie. So I appreciated a little audio work here and there. I love the generosity you have in regards to the audio Mac. I, like I said, could not deal with the dubbed whatsoever. And the moment I switched over to the sub, I was like, Oh, Oh, thank God I can breathe. But while I was watching, I was really surprised with how I remembered every single scene that happened in this movie. And I think it's because I've seen this movie more than two times. I think I used to watch this movie a lot. At the time, like Alexis was saying, it was one of the first like really popular found footage horror movies. And it was one of my favorites for a long time. But I guess I just kind of like forgot about it and haven't revisited it since. But as it was going through, I was like, oh, I know exactly every single death every single shot, every single visual from this movie. And I famously never remember anything. So that was a very big surprise to me. One thing that also surprised me is that 
even though I was watching this on my iPad with my AirPods in, I actually fell asleep. And I don't know if I was just really sleepy or if it was just that everything was in Spanish. So it was easy for my eyes to close, but I did doze off a little bit. The Spanish language will lull you into doing things. What about the screaming? There was a shit ton of screaming in this movie. (laughs) What's wrong with you, Paris? I don't know. It soothed me. (laughs) Okay, look, listen here. As the youngest of five children growing up in a Puerto Rican and Cuban household, I can definitively say Spanish never lulled me into shit. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Never. What? I can't believe you fell asleep. Hey, I'm going to back Paris up on this. My wife was watching this with me, and she started to fall asleep a little bit. So. Do we need a bedtime or a curfew for watching these fucking movies? Y'all can't fall asleep? Jeez. Hey, look, we watched it at four o'clock in the afternoon. I watched it at like 9 p.m., but it was a combination of not being able to like audibly latch onto anything. And then the camera was so shaky that my eyes didn't really fix on too many things. So it was just like easy for my senses to just relax. Wow. I did not fall asleep because I was so tense throughout this entire movie. What really surprised me was how it just dives right in. You don't really get a lot of the beginning credits or anything. It reminds me of the Poughkeepsie tapes where you just straight go in to like essentially the documentary or whatever they're filming. And what also surprised me was because I had so much tension throughout this entire movie that they actually paused in the middle, essentially maybe like 45 minutes in and they broke it up and they had some sort of, you know, interviews and the camera was still. So I was able, I feel like to catch my breath, which I think really helped me follow this movie through. So I was most surprised by how many times I was gotten by a jump scare and how many times I was like actually afraid of like the monsters on screen because I don't expect that. And I think, I think three jump scares like got me in this movie. There was one that like I could have been a snake leaving my skin to go enter a new form of skin. Okay. Because I, I just, it it almost jumped me off the couch. And it was just because I was so engaged in the moment and I knew it was coming and that's the worst type of jump scare. And that was the thing that I wasn't prepared for. I wasn't ready for this movie to scare me. And honestly, it did. Okay. Well, for me, obviously a disappointment is how difficult it is to find a version of this film that is just like in its native Spanish without English dubbing. And I'm glad I was able to like find a link and share a link with Paris. I watched the English dubbing and it hurts, and I think especially hurts, and I had the same experience with um, that movie Veronica on Netflix, where even the English uh, subtitles don't match the Spanish language that I'm hearing and understanding, and I'm like, what the fuck, that's not exact, that's not at all what you said. Uh, so that can be a little bit frustrating, but I think what surprised me most, and, and Ryan, why I think this movie was so effective for you and its jump scares, not only in the timing of the jump scares, was how effective the cast was in this. So, and this is something I was, I was really unpacking when I was watching Quarantine afterwards. Quarantine gives you a few stars. It gives you Jennifer Carpenter, who is amazing. It gives you Jay Hernandez. But the fact that you have so many relative unknowns in this makes this feel so much better. So I'm able to buy into the fear so much more. And I didn't find this frightening personally, but... I I knew like experiencing, I'm like, okay, yeah, this has a few tricks up its sleeve where I knew somebody would get got by it, especially with a few like, what the fuck is that in the background moments? I felt no fear whatsoever, uh, as as always, except for the fear of having my vertigo triggered. So that was, you know, I guess that counts maybe, but I, I didn't find it that scary, mostly because this like genre doesn't really scare me 
that much. I think a lot of what is going to happen, like I'm constantly expecting to happen. So I'm more surprised when it doesn't. All right. <laughs> well, um, I am not going to say ditto to that because I was freaking terrified. I was terrified when I first watched this. I was terrified anticipating watching this. So I purposely did not watch this last night. I was like, you know what? I'll just watch it tomorrow during the day, which I typically like a day to ponder on the movie. But I didn't do that today. So I, you know, the jump scares really do get me. And especially, you know, when you're watching it on your laptop. But I had a big oh fuck moment. And it was very similar to signs when you see that <laughs> alien go across the screen. It's a similar effect um, during this part. And it scared and terrified the shit out of me. And I'm glad I watched this during the day. You mean with our resident bendy boy, Javier Botet? Yes. Who's in literally everything? Yeah. Yes. He's so amazing. I can't wait to talk about him later. So I am quite confident that when I saw this in theaters and several times after this movie was very scary to me, I specifically remember there being a jump scare and or a kill that was very impactful and it got me every time. And this time, I don't know, it didn't quite do it for me. Maybe because... I actually can't tell you why, but this movie did not scare me this time around. Maybe because I've just grown up, you know? You just stopped believing, didn't you? <laughs> I do just need to note that, like, this movie, I feel like if I could see it without this horrible dubbing, would be more scary. It would be, like, overall a different experience, I think. And I was still scared. So there's that, even with the horrible dub screaming. With that being said, I don't feel like this movie is super original. And I think it's because I'm watching it in 2022. I think it would have felt very different back in the day, but having lived quarantines, uh, it just feels kind of, I don't know. It, it feels kind of expected. And I didn't even really know what type of movie it was when I started watching it. So I don't know. I, I think there's something to be said for originality, but it's, it doesn't stand out as hugely original for me. Ooh, oh, oh, wow. Ryan, you wound me once, you wound me twice, and here you are yet again to uh, insult this movie. Agree. Okay, look, I'll say this. After the Blair Witch Project, but before there was Cloverfield in quarantine, there was this. And uh, this did come out around the same time as George Romero's uh, Diary of the Dead. So there's that, right? It's not like it's the most unique thing in the world, but this does have a completely different feel to it. And there's even a different element to the third act of this movie that quarantine completely abandoned. So there is certainly some originality woven into the fabric of this movie. And it's something that I'm really curious to see if it continues to be explored in its sequels. I've never seen the sequels to this movie. Uh, so this does get a measure of originality points for me. I'm going to give it some too. And initially I wasn't going to after watching it, but the more I thought about it, even like the setup of having them like doing a ride along with firefighters, I don't remember somebody using that as a vehicle to get, you know, people into a situation with a camera that made sense. Like good, good job on them and finding a like realistic way of making that happen. For once, I can speak to the originality of a movie at the time it came out. And when this movie came out, there was not really anything else out there like it. And I remember being like, oh my God, you have to see this. This is wild. It's a crazy ride. And I guess like looking back, like I hadn't seen the Blair Witch Project at that point in high school. I was probably like a sophomore in high school when this came out. But I remember thinking this was like one of a kind and it was like so innovative. So originality points should be given to this movie, even though now in hindsight, it's a little bit Blair Witch 2.0. God, you brought up 
Blair Witch because I did put that on here. But it's completely different. You know, you're bringing in a different vehicle on how it's going through and just kind of, I guess it's a found footage and that's the next one. But Ryan, you're correct. Everything that I've watched, usually I contribute to like, oh shit, I hate found footage. But then I realize all those movies came after this. So I've only seen two or three before that, but it definitely is original. Hell yeah. And I think part of the originality there is because of how effective its ending is. I absolutely love the ending of this movie. And I love the third act reveal about what the hell happened there. And and there's enough difference in the root cause of the plot from quarantine that makes it feel like a fresh watch, even if some of this is like, oh, wow, quarantine really did go nearly fucking shot for shot and almost line for line. But uh, I found it to be entertaining and satisfying. I think the ending was probably the best part of the movie. I was really impressed with it, even though I have trouble with cameras that shake. In the end, it made sense that it did. And it actually kind of worked for the vibe that they were giving us. So I do want to give it some credit for the ending. Like, There's a particular type of camera that they're using at the end that I don't want to spoil that was like really effective in what hap- what's like what's going on in the story for those for those characters. Chris, I'm glad you liked the story because I thought you might say it was giving a little too much, but I love the information you get in the end and how everything just reveals itself and I couldn't be happier with everything that happens in the ending of this movie. I what? Could, <laughs> I could not disagree more. The ending of this movie makes no sense okay i don't i can't wait to argue about the ending of this movie because there's so much that happens and then we get to a point and it's just like mm, throw everything at it and then we got to a point where they were just uh, just coming up with all these different things coming together i don't know it's very difficult to talk about an ending when you don't like it without spoiling it but uh, for me it was a completely lackluster ending story wise let me be clear movie wise like if you just took the ending of this it was chill story wise i hated it i can kind of see where you're coming from there ryan but i have to agree with everybody else the ending is probably the best part of this movie you guys make me feel like i'm crazy and i know i'm not to be fair i am a little bit crazy but not in this respect no they do kind of just like cram in a bunch at the end to be like see it made sense oh okay that's all the feeling i got from quarantine but this This felt well executed, and I can see that there's already some disagreement here among us, so let's make our approach towards our ratings, but before we actually score this movie, Alexis, what's our body count? We have a total of 16 bodies in this movie. Not necessarily murdered, or killed off, but somehow disposed of. And what about the animal report? The animal report is perfectly fine this week. There is an animal mentioned, but we never see the cute boy. There is an implication, that's oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, but we don't see anything on screen. Implications are not PETA relevant. That's true. You will be pleased to know if you've seen Quarantine and run unhappy of what happened in that film, you will be absent and spared of that in this one. But let's go ahead and get into our ratings. Wreck from 2007. Was it a hacker slash? I want to jump in here. Um, it's not going to be surprising here. Any credit that this movie gets is going to be ruined because of the shaky cam. This movie is a nauseating hack. Um, shaky cam that makes me feel instantly sick is a guaranteed way of making lose any enjoyment that I might have had from a film. I had to spend most of the hour, 15 minutes listening and only watching intermittently. So I didn't literally throw up. Now, this is maybe a hack against 
the way the movie was delivered to me, but not the movie itself. But the dubbing and subtitles available for rent and purchase in the U.S. are absolutely atrocious. The voiceover work was amateur at best, and the subs didn't even match the audio of the film's offensively built-in dubbing. So yeah, that whole experience for me was such a such a major hack. Wow. Hacking on a single note. Okay, that's interesting. Imagine if you were on a car ride, and the car was beautiful, and it was smooth, and you could get, you know, you could look outside, and you're like, wow, everything's so beautiful outside, the grass is green, but every five seconds, someone punched you in the back of the head. That's a little violent. That's kind of what it's like for me, though, because basically, like, every five seconds, that's what it feels like inside my brain. Little dramatic, but okay. That's funny that you mentioned found footage and shaky cam, because I think that's what made this movie a slash for me. You have this acting and you have people who have different motivations and different reactions to what's going on. And it's really interesting because I thought some characters would be bad and some would be good. But I realized everyone handles chaos in a different way. And it really is portrayed amazingly in this movie. And especially the chaos of the camera. And it's just adding to this tension that builds up. And I've said like, yeah, this movie feels tense in previous episodes before, but I've never really had my heart racing like I have in this movie. And this really just had me on a complete ride and I was there for it. And it actually scared me where I think I can't even sleep in my apartment tonight. So I might go to my boyfriend's house tonight (laughs) because I'm so afraid of some of the images you're left with. And I think that makes for a great movie and a great slash. Well, I'm so happy for you. I think, unfortunately, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to echo a lot of the things that Max said. The shaky cam in this movie is unbearable. And it's unbearable from the jump. It's unbearable when we're doing nothing important. It's just unbearable. And I'll, I'll be straightforward. I really have issues with like handheld footage. I don't like it. It's not that it makes me sick. It's just that I don't like it. And I don't believe it. I don't like it's the same as like a based on a true story blurb at the beginning of a movie. It doesn't do anything for me because I know you're not, it's not real. So I don't need it to be found footage. I can just have a well-filmed movie and I'll be just as happy. So that's a big, big downside for me. And the other thing, unfortunately, we do have to talk about the dubbing. The dubbing is miserable. And if there were other options that were readily available, I would have embraced them. I'd so much rather read subtitles. But when you rent this movie it's dubbed and it's dubbed horribly. And I don't know who's responsible for dubbing. I don't know if it's the studio or the service or whatever, but the dubbing is terrible. With that being said, this movie to me has a really interesting story. I think when we finally get to the apartment and and are actually like in it, I am very into the story. I'm into the different people, all their different like like Alexa said, there are different little motivations and what's going on. I think what happens in this movie is really interesting. But there's also like a bunch of stuff that I don't like. I don't like the story of the ending. The ending does not make sense. I don't care what you say. I will argue about it. I can't wait to argue about it because the ending doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. And then there's just like a random set of like extreme racism mid-movie from like eight different characters. No need for that. It made sense the first time, maybe the second time, but there's like four mentions of the same like issue. And it was all just like vague, casual racism for no reason. And there was, it just wasn't necessary. This movie for me had too many negatives to outweigh the positives. The one positive is the story. And unfortunately for me, it's going to be a hack. Soft, soft hack? 
Yeah, I just said hack. Oh, no, it's firm. <laughs> that shit's firm. I'm not like passionately hacking this. I don't hate it, but I, I could never watch this again. Uh, so this movie, I, in some twist turn of events have seen this movie so many times like i said i used to love this movie in high school uh it was one that i told a lot of people to go see i saw it in theaters uh and i was curious to see if this movie still held up and to be so honest it did not for me i was bored i think maybe because i just knew everything that was going to happen uh i was glad to watch the original spanish version because i got to practice my spanish i do live in miami and it was fun to see how much i actually picked up and understood entiendo mas this movie was kind of dull and bad. And there's specifically two things that I remember from this movie. One did hold up and it was at the ending and we all know what it is. Two is like, it's a kill slash jump scare in the middle. And this time around, it just like fell flat for me. And that was something I remember being like, so iconic. I remember being like, Oh, and I remember being gagged every time it happened. And then this time I was like, Oh yeah. And then that happened. Oh, well, okay. Moving on. And so ultimately, like, I was bored, found footage, did not age well. Maybe it's like roller coasters where, like, you love them when you're a teen and then you become an adult and you're like, "Mm, I'm okay, thank you. Uh, So this movie's getting a hack for me. Oh, I knew it was coming. Yeah. So happy you're here, Paris. Thank you. It's been a long time since we were here together. It was good at the time, but I am impervious to nostalgia and I will not give this movie points just because I used to like it. Well... A lot of things have been shared here. And yes, we live at this intersection of so many different tastes and appreciation for horror. But uh, I don't see where the hate for this movie is coming from because this movie was fucking phenomenal. Phenomenal? Look, it's imperfect, right? It's imperfect, but it is a damn good found footage movie. And I fucking love found footage movies. Look, okay, some things, um, if we were to play an icebreaker and we were to say, like, hey, yo, what's your fucking guilty pleasure? Like, seventh layer of guilt. I'd be like, Jerry Springer, Maury Povich, and fucking found footage horror films. This movie had the tall task of... A, standing up on its own legs, being from 2007 and being from, like, fucking HDV, uh, you know, like, tape cameras. And then B, me having to experience it after watching already its shot-for-shot remake with Quarantine, which was done with a lot more glitz and glamour of Hollywood. It is shot remarkably better. It is shot with, you know, higher quality film. It is far more stable. So, Mac, maybe that's something that would actually be a little bit better for you and your experience with this story. But I love how effective the smaller cast is. I absolutely love it. There are jump scares in here that while they didn't make me jump, I see them as being well-crafted and effective. I absolutely love even the uh, the trueness of the lighting of this movie. It's only lit with lamps from the interior of the building, and they didn't put additional stage production here to try to sell this story. This is a solid found footage film in the sense that it feels like this could have actually happened. Not necessarily from like the logistics of the story, but with the framing of the technology. And for that, it's a slash, unapologetically. Now, we find ourselves a house divided tonight, and the majority of us did give this a hack, which breaks every fiber of my being, but two of us did give it a slash. So you have the choice in front of you, dear listener. You can either find this movie available to rent or purchase. If you purchase it, you may be able to unlock that original Spanish track, or you can listen to it with the dubs and the subs. But either way, make your choice, then join us in the second half so we can explore the spoiler zone together. See you in a bit. Every time there's a zombie outbreak, 
we lose valuable human life, from apartment building residents to firefighters and especially news anchors. Not only are you losing your journalists, but you're also getting inaccurate news. Zombie outbreaks are already scary enough without having to worry about the accuracy of the news. With Las Fabricaciones, you'll never have to worry about losing your journalists again. We provide AI-generated news content that is based on real life, so you can be sure that you're getting accurate information. Real life, fake news. Anchors. Las Fabricaciones. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Wreck, which has earned three hacks and two slashes. Now, we have a lot to unpack here, but before we get into specifics of our ratings, we have the matter of gore to attend to. Alexis, what's the gore score for this movie? You know, in true zombie fashion, it's going to have to be a medium. It's, you know, not a train to Busan, but it's definitely up there. There's some things you see and, you know... There's skin stretching when the police officer is bitten, and it literally looked like it was coming off his his face. Your favorite kind of skin. The skin that's no longer part of you. Yeah, and then you have that point where Alex, his head smashes down onto the floor. Like, I love these scenes. And, you know, you have all this, like, detail, and we'll talk about it after the kills, but when two of the first bodies are placed out, and everyone's watching them, and then you have the medic coming in, and you actually finally see some sort of, you know, fleshy, ewy-gooey, and then there's that needle that goes in, and I just remember that part, and I was like, oh, this is terrible. Fleshy, ewy-gooey is a technical term, (laughs) industry term here. (laughs) We're just making up words tonight. (laughs) But out of 16 deaths slash infections in this movie, I'd love to hear what y'all's favorites were. I'll be the one to say it. Alex did not fall flat for me, although he did literally Mm. fall flat. I fucking loved that death. Now, I'm sure that he did suffer a bit more, and that wasn't his actual time of death. But really, just the theatrics of a sudden plop to the ground. To know that this firefighter was just heaved over by Conchita, or alguien más, who knows? Uh, I fucking love it. That was also my favorite, Chris. So, um... I just don't see how anyone could not love that, but I'm going to pick another one. And that is when the racist old gay man got his head bit through the window. That was intense. That was like cracking open an apple, right? I love, <laughs> I just, I could feel it. It just really looked like scalp opened, skull cracked all in one fell swoop. I loved it. And you know it was coming too. Didn't that death give you the good energy of like a haunted house? Oh yeah, totally. Cause it's just like somebody popping through a window at you. This whole movie gave me Haunted House vibes, but in a good way. I wish I could say the same, Alexis. It gave me Haunted House vibes in a not good way. I remember being like, oh, yeah, this is very just like jump scare Haunted House, especially like towards the end when like the old bloody bitch jumped out and was just like, I was like, no, we're done with you. We did that. Honestly, it's hard for me to find a kill that made me feel anything while watching this movie. So I think by default, I'm going to give it to Alex. Just because when I saw that initially, that was like such a huge moment for me. Uh, And this time around, nothing did anything for me. So in height, like I'm going to retroactively throw my favorite kill down a several flights of stairs and give it to Alex. Yeah, honestly, I don't mean to be like a bummer here, but none of the kills stand out to me. And even as I'm trying to think back over them, they're all just kind of like person gets bitten. I will say one thing that stands out is when Conchita gets shot. Uh, the first time, like, I don't really know how to consider her death because 
she's kind of never really alive, is she? But when she gets shot, that was like a very intense moment and one of the like jumpy bits that kind of got me. So I'll go with that, I suppose. But honestly, a lot of them just kind of run together for me. Yeah, it was intense, but right the the lamest kill in my opinion i have a best and lamest and i can't wait to give this uh an award at the end of the year it's when conchita is coming in and then there's the woman one of the residents and she just like bites her and then the lady's dead off camera i was like this is so lame like i want like full-on gore in this movie which i know it wasn't necessarily lacking but that's why i think this movie is so good because it's not too in your face because this would not be that realistic. Usually someone would get bitten, maybe fall to the ground, maybe whimper, maybe she's playing dead the entire time. Who knows? Who knows? But the best one I'm going to say is Maria Carmen. She was tied. I think it was just the most terrifying one for me because she's essentially handcuffed to the railing and she's not able to get away. And it was just so like heartbreaking to see that. And to see her transform and then having to get back through her to go up the stairs. And it was just that moment was just terrifying for me because she couldn't do anything about it. Okay, but let's be clear. She already had her daughter's blood all up on her face and undoubtedly in her eyes. She was fucked no matter what. It was just a matter of time. Yeah, that wasn't heartbreaking. She was an awful rotted bitch from the jump. So annoying. Should have died sooner. No, completely, completely agree. Oh, okay. And you know what I'm also lacking in this movie? It's the detail that I usually see in some shows like The Walking Dead. And I know there's a lot more budget in that. But I feel like I lost a lot of that. You know, a lot of this, the details, because I feel of the shaky camera, were lost. Including the young officer. He had one of his ears replaced by a prosthetic once it was bitten. But you just lose all these details. Because of this shaky camera, this, you know, flashes, you know, off and on with the night cam, which unfortunately, that's just how this movie is. I'm not critiquing that part. I wish there was more gore, but, you know, I'll watch a different zombie movie for that. Yeah, I think I have to agree. I think some of the uh, visuals that would have been really interesting get lost a bit. And, you know, there's places where it was necessary, like at the end, if we saw more of that, it wouldn't have worked. But Throughout, I wish I had been able to see a little bit more. Again, like the found footage thing, I just don't need it. I think it's like a conveyor to get it through and to make you feel like you're a part of it. Do think visually that they did great. And it was the design of Javier Botet's character. I mean, just seeing the skin he has to put on for this performance is impeccable and you can see the detail even from far away and that's the part that scared me the most is when you see his character walk across the frame in the back and then you can see the spine on this character and it's just grotesque oh grotesque that uh gives me very much the energy of love the skin you're in yes <laughs> so alexis i 100 percent agree with you i think uh, the aesthetic of, of javier Batet's character in this particular film is phenomenal and it's something that i thought looked so fucking stupid in quarantine and it's similar so i'm not quite sure why the difference here uh is so great to me but maybe it's because we have this moment in this movie where Pablo is looking through the camera and we see the lanky shadow of the Madero's girl. And that's who Javier Botet's character is. I love that we get this mysteriously long lanky figure and like, what the fuck could that even be? And see, that's why I love 
the style of this footage visually. So quarantine, like I said earlier, it's too Hollywood. It's too polished. Uh, it's too, I mean, like even like the, uh, the depth of field that they managed to get on that camera, no local news station looks that fucking good. This feels right. This feels like news, electronic news in 2007. You put on your local like wavy 10 in Virginia, you're going to see footage that doesn't look too un- uh, dissimilar to this. I absolutely loved it. It had lackluster quality. It had shitty lighting conditions and imperfect sound. It felt true to the spirit of found footage. And it every every element of it had motivation. And even the framing of these shots, like when uh, Angela and Pablo first get in and we had the firefighters trying to figure out what's going on and the cop is descending down the stairs and you just see Angela peek up from the bottom left corner of the frame and she's like, get this. Absolutely love that. I think... My favorite visual element is kind of basic, but I think I like it for a not basic reason. Here I go. (laughs) So this movie... Thanks for the intro. Yeah, this movie's obviously found footage, but I think the way the perspective of this being like a newsman's camera and we're following an anchor woman really helps you to live in the relationship between Angela and Pablo to the point where you're actually watching the whole movie from Pablo's perspective, but everything that Angela does and says is really like directly to you as the viewer. And I think that makes the movie easier to settle into and kind of feel a part of. And I think that is probably one of the better, not excuses, but like better vehicles of like a found footage storyline that I've seen in a very long time. 100%. And let's just say this, Pablo deserved better. Pablo was the goat. I think that's a good point, Paris. That was a very interesting thing. And I like that you brought that up because it's a very unique perspective. And their relationship and like the camera being there, it all does feel very natural. I think my favorite visual has to be Javier. I, I don't know how anything could be better than that. He looks amazing in this movie and at the end i think the coolest part is that the the girl is just doing things she's just like in her house like vibing like she just walks in the room and is like looking around at stuff and you know she doesn't really realize anybody's there for a little bit and it was just so freaking creepy to see and so cool and the whole the whole end bit i would say visually is amazing and and to go with that my favorite visual element is the end of it. It's the, it's the apartment that they get into. I love the plastered wall look. Uh, I think every time we see it, it's, it's usually a show us like a psychopath typically. Um, but there's definitely an obsession happening here that you don't need to tell us. We can just see it right there on the screen. And, and so I'm, I'm always a fan when we get that, like pictures plastered over the walls. Um, they get freaked out, at least in the dubbed version, uh, just from seeing like saint pictures. And that was hilarious. Like they're literally like, Oh my gosh, because there's a picture of Mary on the wall. Uh, and I was like, I don't exactly understand that. Maybe it's an issue with the dubbing or the subbing. I'm not sure, but, um, just, they were just overwhelmed by everything that was happening in the room at least. And it's, you know, anytime you walk into a room and it's just set up like that, there's like beakers sitting around and chemicals and stuff. There was so much more in that one room than the entire rest of the apartment building. So much to look at. Okay, you're absolutely right. And I do think that mo- that moment suffers in the the dubbed version because it was something that I'm like, okay, I get what they're saying here, but it doesn't feel totally there. So I watched just the subbed version and I ultimately walked away with that being my favorite scene. I, I surprisingly really love the point in the third act where we get some exposition and we get some insight into what's caused this. So in quarantine... 
And I'm sorry, spoiler, if you haven't seen Quarantine yet, but I really dislike this moment because it's painted more as like a doomsday vibe that talks about a mysterious virus. And Angela totally fell apart and she couldn't even remotely keep it together. And this, so they actually get some information and we see the intersection of science and religion. And we see that this guy is an agent of the Vatican or we hear in Spanish, that he's an agent of the Vatican, and he's been trying to track down and isolate this girl who, it seems by all appearances, it's a demonic possession. And then he realizes that there's an enzyme that he's trying to isolate and try to cure, and then it mutates. And he's like, fuck, she's got to die. So he seals up the apartment. And that's something that I want to learn more about. And I hope it's it's explored in the sequels. I'm not sure. But I loved it that that idea of that grapple of like, she's got to die. But he didn't kill her. He left her to die. And then the problem became infinitely worse. I think that is a really interesting uh, layer of complexity there. And I, you know, I love the idea that they thought she was possessed when in reality they ended up confronting the need for a vaccine to treat an enzyme. You know what I mean? Like, I love that 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 realization, that journey. Yeah, I I just feel like it was a, a a long jump for me. And I'm not a track star. I just feel like jumping from demonic possession to illness, question mark. And then I so from my understanding, the point is that the dog contracted the same thing that she's sick with, question mark, but she's not a zombie. That's that's what I don't understand. I don't understand what anything in that room has to do with the rest of the apartment. She is a zombie. So she was left in to die. Patient zero. Yeah. So she is that. In that apartment, there's like that trap door and like you see into the attic and there's like a little boy up there. So it seems like she didn't just hole up and die. Somehow her disease spread, whether that's through the air duct, uh, whether that's through her getting into the attic, and the dog ends up contracting that and then spreading that to the little girl. That doesn't seem like a long stretch, a a long jump to make from from point A to point B for you guys, because for me, it just really does. No, not at all. Do you see what the fuck dogs eat on a regular basis? They'd be getting anything. (laughs) No, but, (laughs) but she hasn't eaten anything. She's just there. Oh, yeah. She's dead. There's a lot of gross stuff in that apartment. Like, I could smell it through the screen. So, to me, any of that could have leaked into any part. But if you look at her, you can tell that she's been wasting away. But sure. she's dead. She's not going to die again. She's undead. She's a zombie. For me, it was just like, I used to live in an apartment in New York, and it's just so disgusting. And you're just, like, so marinating in everyone else in that building's juices that it just, like, kind of made sense that, like, oh, somebody was infected on the top floor, and it probably all just, like, trickled down and fucked everybody over. But again, I, I don't know. I, I will just – I will be at peace with just saying that I don't think that this ending puts the pieces together for me. It just doesn't – I don't get the jump from demon to – zombie and maybe i need to rewatch it in the spanish subbed version and only pay attention to that but i it just doesn't work for me i don't know there's no demons i understand but they thought it was i understand that but like literally when they walk in everything is catholic like it's just i don't know it just doesn't work think about chris's synopsis they initially see this behavior and so they get the church involved because they're like oh she's possessed sure then they realized so it could be, it could be like demonically originated. You know, we haven't gotten that far yet, but all we know is they realize, hey, wait a second, this is uh, science based, and they're going to try to tackle this 
with a science-based approach, but they couldn't. They couldn't fix it. They couldn't figure it out. So they're like, peace, I'm out here because I can't, I can't fix this. Like, this is too much. But so, yeah, initially this like priest is like, oh, this is, this is a really bad demonic possession. I just can't fix it. Let me, let me put Mary over here so, to like look at me, to motivate me. Like, we got this. She didn't bite nobody in the meantime. We were doing all this testing. She wasn't there yet. You know, this is, this is the first one. It's, t- it's like a, sl- a slower She was somewhere. Change. Right. But then also like, who is that little naked boy in the attic? I, it just it just doesn't work for me. I'm fine with it. I understand what you guys are trying to say, but it just doesn't work for me. I'm, I'm just sorry. telling you, watch Rec 2. I don't think I will. Nor should you have to. <laughs> well, I'm okay with, with being who I am here, and I, I just think it's a big jump. That's all. Let me go off of what Chris was saying and talk about my favorite scene in this movie. It goes back to our boy Pablo watching the health department worker through the window. Uh, one, it was a little bit more stable, so really enjoyed that moment. Uh, but two, we got to see this like cover up in action and it really revealed to us that yes, these are totally zombies. So everything you were thinking could be happening confirmed. We got some zombies. Uh, it's going down. Um, it's typical at that point. Like we've got the government. They're trying to cover it up. They're handcuffing them. He's wearing the hazmat suit. It feels like a tried and true zombie movie at that point. So I really just enjoyed a moment of what we expect to see. Speaking of expectations, there were a few times, you know, you see a movie and you're like, yep, this is about where they're about to get me with a jump scare. You know, they're going to close a door. They're going to pan back into the hallway. And this movie has a lot of those. And my favorite scene is actually when Angela asks to see the tape and rewinds it. And she's holding the camera and you can kind of see like behind her. And I was like, watch, something's going to come. Something's going to come up behind her. And I because I've been so far removed from this movie, I can't recall that I was like, something will be there. And it isn't. And I like that it still plays on your, you know, what you might be expecting and brings that element of horror out, even though it's still trying to be a found footage movie. It's hard to think of any other scene besides that ending little sequence that we get. But if I had to pick something else, it would probably be the scene where that snot-nosed little bitch bit her mom's face off because both of them had it coming. That girl did not have tonsillitis. She'd been infected. Get her out. Lock her up. Mom should be in prison. So just seeing those two just collapse into each other's own bullshit was a long time coming. But then like seeing that little girl run around in her little dress, I was like, no, somebody hit her with a bat and just like knock her out. We're not doing this. Not not slowly approaching the child to give her an injection, hit her in the head with a bat, and then and then tranquilize her. She made it so much longer than I thought they were going to let it because it's like a child, you know. I thought they were like, "Well, we've got to put her down. Uh, I'll do it, mom. Look away." And she's like, "No, let me do it." Instead, they were like, <laughs> "Let her run wild for the next fifteen yeah. minutes." Like, what? It's a child, man. They were like, "She's a child. We should treat her differently because she's a zombie baby." No, right. It's just like, you know, when you play with kids, when you were a kid and they're smaller than you, so you put your hand on their forehead and you're like, aha, you can't, you know, make it past me. It's like that. They should have done that. Like, you can't bite me. I got your forehead. But we didn't. We didn't get that. We got 15 minutes of uh, self-sacrifice, apparently. I think it adds the same layers of complexity as whenever you try to fight anything that small, like Chucky. I think one of my favorite parts is when they have the two guys on the gurney and like the hazmat suit guys just come in. And like, we all know what's going on by this point. Like we know it's about to be a zombie movie. If you weren't sure at the beginning, if you didn't already know, 
we like can kind of see that, you know, they start like handcuffing him to the table and everything. So we, we start to know and you're just waiting for the moment when they come back to life. There's more of the scene than you expect because it seems like it's going to happen pretty quickly and it just kind of drags for a few minutes, not in a bad way. And then finally we get the shot of them coming up in just, just havoc, you know, biting faces, doing all kinds of stuff. I think that scene is one that was very satisfying to know that like, it's going to finally happen because they've just been sitting there unanimated, waiting to reanimate for so long. Also, that dude with his head busted open is dead as heck. And they keep trying to save him, trying to do stuff, get him an ambulance. He doesn't need that. He's dead. So I just was waiting for them to be zombies. And then when they finally come through, the start of a party. <laughs> you know, you, you talk about the start of the party. Everybody's kind of coming back to life and, and shit pops off. But I think one of the most interesting things about this movie, that even in the in the immediate moments before shit pops off, there's this constant fight and struggle over stop recording. No, we have the right. Stop recording. We have the right. And you even have the, the tenants getting really worked up about this. Something that I really love about this movie is this version of Angela. I, I, I watched Quarantine right after this. So I was like, wow, I really had like high memories of that movie. And I realized, again, I love Jennifer Carpenter. This has nothing to do with, I think, how she played the role. I think this is all in how the role was scripted. Her character fucking falls apart. And it's honestly really frustrating to watch an experience. It's really a disappointment, uh, especially now, like watching this again. This Angela keeps her head mostly together. Like she panics, she freaks out like everybody else, but. I, it's the journey from her watching, uh, you know, watching this movie in the, in the beginning. She is interviewing the uh, chief of the firehouse and she's like, hey, if this guy's a pain in the ass, just cut. Like, don't waste the tape. And we see tape used as like a valuable asset in this whole story where she's no longer wanting to care about like obviously, you know, not wasting the tape. But she's like, film everything. We have to get fucking everything, Pablo. We have to get everything. And she's always checking if she got it. I think that in itself is an interesting mark of just her character going through this movie. I had some troubles, though, initially, where it just seems that the uh, TV crew was kind of unprofessional. Like they weren't really prepared for this interview, for this whole this whole segment. Really, the interview with the with the with the kid later on. What a bad interview! What okay. was that? Like, hey, <laughs> don't speak. I'm talking to your daughter. All right, so tell me about your doggy. Okay, but the mom was ruining the shot. Do you think reporters? They, I feel like they act like this. You don't think they would? Yeah, for for like the evening news, you know. Sometimes she's I don't know. To, I think she's trying to you know get to stardom at this point. Maybe I don't know. She would know, but. I don't. This this is very realistic. This is exactly how it happens. I had to fucking interview people for broadcast news for many years, and this is exactly how it goes down. You're off camera. You're explaining how it works, and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I got, I know exactly what I'm going to fucking say, and then they just keep fucking up. They don't like stop and start over when they mess up. They just yeah. keep going, or they want to talk in the background and back at the person that you're interviewing. It's a whole fucking nightmare. I thought. She did a great job, and I think part of why she does such a great fucking job is because she's actually a woman who works in broadcast journalism. Like, she's actually a professional in this industry. I thought she was fucking fantastic. I think I'm spoiled. The only time I'm used to seeing this kind of journalism is when you accidentally, like, switch on to your local evening news, (laughs) and you get the, like, robotic performance that we get from our, you know, newscasters here. 
Yeah, I feel like or all the vines I used to see about like funny, like fake news broadcasts. Yeah, or, okay. <laughs> like something like that, or maybe someone messed up and it ended up being funny and going viral. But right, like funniest news fails. Yeah. Think about how often we prepare before the podcast and we still get to the podcast and we fuck up and we're just like talking mm-hmm. over each other and shit. You know what I mean? That's true. That is like what we see at, at the end of the product is something that is clear, concise, it's put together. And oftentimes the sound bites that you get, they're either fucking top notch or they're pretty mediocre and you just kind of had to fight through that. But I thought her approach to interviewing people were was plenty realistic. So can we talk trash about these people in this apartment? Because they were all horrible. We'll just start with the the rogue Asian racism. I From what I saw, they were Japanese and they were pretty consistently called Chinese, I believe. Mm-hmm. And just like it was them, the freaking gay rude man not a nice man at all but his character is hilarious he's like my mother left and i just still live here um he was just like they cook and do all this stuff and it's gross and they yell and blah 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 and then like three other people consistently like blamed them for what was going on in the house and so that was the thing like the racism in the middle of the movie that just like kind of kept going like the first time it was mentioned it was one thing and then it it happened a few more times and it was just so weird and out of place to like have it continue through several characters that seem to be in like different areas and stuff. And then as like a fight or something broke out, they like yelled it again. It was just, it was just a bit much. And it was, it was not the move for me. I didn't like it at all. So having watched the subtitled version, I think some of that may have been like tweaked or changed because once you mentioned the racism, I figured out kind of what it was, but I think how they conveyed it in the, non-dubbed version is the characters that you're talking about the asian characters they were speaking in like broken spanish and you could see that like in the subtitles um like you could understand what they were saying but you could tell that like spanish wasn't their native language and at one point the the mom who was a bitch uh just kept saying like no entiendo no entiendo like i don't understand you um and that part wasn't included in the subtitles but that was the one part where i was like "Mm, is she just pretending she can't understand this woman's pretty solid spanish because she's being racist about it um, so I think maybe because they couldn't do that in the dub necessarily, they might have like tweaked a couple bits of dialogue to kind of give you the same vibe. Well, I was actually reading subtitles for a portion of it. Subbed and dubbed? They just kept blaming them. That's what happened. They just kept yeah. blaming them for what yeah. was going on. That part I thought was just because they had like a sick like grandpa in there. She had her daughter that uh, she had her daughter that was also sick and she didn't seem to think that was a problem. But it goes back to what we're talking about again with like COVID-19, right? And how many people faced that kind of like hardship and, and racism because uh, because of all the names that COVID got COVID was called at the beginning of the pandemic. It's the same type of thing. Oh, you're the only people who aren't from around here. So it must be your fault if you have a sick relative. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. it's something that even if it wasn't the intention of a straight up racism it's otherism yeah you know what i mean it's like you're the stranger here you don't belong here and it's fucked up no matter which way you cut it it's just like calling people a different name than what they are like in the subs it says that they're japanese and they're called chinese and so it those little things are the stuff that i was just like i just felt kind of beat over the head with it that that was pretty much what turned me off can we talk about beating over the head because the old couple talking to each other oh man so she's trying to talk tell he's like tell tell him you know tell the story right 
She's talking. Then he's like, why are you uh, talking over me? It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, she was talking. You're talking over her. Okay, but he was losing his marbles. <laughs> That's kind of true. He didn't know what floor they lived on. So that was like the thing is he was just kind of <laughs> losing it, you know? There was a lot of characters happening. Like, and when I say yeah. characters, I don't mean just like general characters, but you know, when you meet someone, you're like, oh, they're a character. All of those people were in this building together. I'm just going to throw in there that this apartment building is not unlike the apartment building from Basket Case, oh. where everyone was a caricature true. of a person. That's true. Another famously horrible movie. Kind of like the uh, Sasha Baron Cohen uh, police officer that we get. Very deliberately incompetent. He was hot. Speaking of incompetent, though, I think, you know, the worst part for me is why would you be up in this apartment with all this shitty ass stuff going on and then being like, let's play this recorder? That was the worst part for me because I thought this movie was very grounded in reality. And I know we, we talked about characters and you guys had a lot to say about it. But to me, the characters what were what brought the realness to it because yes there are racist people yes there are people that are going to blame other people there's people that you know they're going to cover up even though they might not be the ones who are transferring this and they're going to be like oh no my daughter doesn't have it and just be so it was a bunch of chaos and that in all the personalities and that's what would happen probably in a apartment complex i can tell you and that probably would happen in mine but yeah to me it's like okay this is all going on and you want to play a tape recorder angela i thought you were fucking smarter than this like and that's when i was like this isn't this isn't a like this is not real anymore it was dumb Ay, Dios mio. She's a fucking investigative journalism. Like, she, what, what, she's in. Chris, you wouldn't take the tape and try to, like, put it in your book bag or something? What book bag? She doesn't have a book bag. Okay, you wouldn't try to leave and grab it? Like, grab the tape? She's trying to get some information and collect some data along the way. I just, I just want to add to Alexis's point. There was just, like, a lot going on, and they escaped into this room, and then she was like, Oh my God, a tape recorder. We've got time for this. And like, you didn't have time for it. It maybe like wasn't the best time. Also, I learned nothing from that tape recorder, but maybe there was something in Spanish that was helpful. There was so much to learn. Like that's how they found out what to... There was stuff. It's all the stuff I didn't like. So... Oh my gosh. (laughs) All the long jump stuff was in there. You know? Absurd. You guys are going to make me pick a best part since I hacked this. And... Um, I have to say, I didn't really look into like what this movie was about. I just knew that there was going to be shaky cam um, and that there was bad dubbing and subbing. So I had no idea really like what the actual subject matter was. So the best part of the movie was finding out that this was a zombie flick and not just a zombie flick, but a zombie outbreak movie. And like, I don't know why I continue to love zombie movies to this day. I don't know if there's been any that I like, truly hated that were so bad. Even the bad ones, you're like, yeah, I'm down to watch this. It's just yeah. something... I don't know. It's just like pulp fiction in a way. Like we just enjoy watching it. And it was like a pleasant surprise. And the story they give us, I'm actually down with. It was very like Resident Evil. I'm here for it. Um, Although it was hard to like stomach watching the movie, I am curious how the story plays out over time because zombie outbreak films are interesting. And that's just a hill I'll die on. You know, I'm actually going to go with something quite similar. There was like... A set of things. I'll give you a set of the best things about this movie, okay? First is it ending up being a zombie movie when I didn't plan for it to be or expect it to be. 
Second is the setting for the zombie movie. I think the apartment that they are locked in, having the cops outside, like they find out about an outbreak kind of thing, all of that, very interesting. Like the way they got there, although maybe questionable, but I, I think it seems pretty realistic to do like a ride along with some firefighters. It seems like something that would happen. And it was very interesting for them to be there with all these people with, you know, some people that were kind of on their side versus like the cops that were pissed that they were there recording that kind of thing. And then of course, at the end, like the effects of Javier just being such a creepy dude. And my very last best part of this movie is how insane the zombies are. Once these people turn, they were going ham. These were not slow zombies. These were a murderous, like attacking, like we're out here doing stuff. They would disappear. Like they weren't really getting killed in this movie. We really saw a lot of zombies live through a lot of things. And I thought that was one of the best parts. That was one of the things that kept me in because they were so interesting to watch. Also scary. Ryan, that was a long list of best parts. I'm proud of you. I'm nothing if not balanced. And Mac, I too don't understand why you still love all the zombie movies to this day. Because they're all so different. (laughs) They're literally all the same. Every single one is the same. I couldn't disagree more. (laughs) Okay, but let's say like you went to five different burger places and they all had like fairly decent burgers. Uh, You wouldn't care. You'd be like, I just want a burger and right now that tastes good. Okay, but instead of burgers, it's like, I don't know, fish taco paste i don't know something i don't like because burgers is good <laughs> burgers is good let me get to my best part it's basic the best part of this movie is obviously the spooky naked bitch at the end that i did not recognize as being a man named javier like everybody else seemed to i just saw that as a spooky naked woman giving boob giving like really long skinny body and i was like that that part prosthetic little saggy tits i i thought she was cgi the first time, you know, because we're sitting there, we're watching it, and she shows up, and I'm looking at that going, oh, that's CGI. Really? This late in the game, we're going to get CGI? And then we, like, see a little bit more, and I was like, wait a second. Is that CGI, though? I don't want to sound cooler than I am. I did not know it wasn't CGI. And also, I'm calling Javier by his first name, like, we're real cool like that, because I don't want to mispronounce his last name. So let me not act like I like I didn't know that before we started this podcast, Paris. I just <laughs> okay. found that out here together. But now I do know who he is, and I do recognize him. So I'm like, oh, Javier is in here that was great i didn't know that at the time i just thought it was some cool skinny chick and maybe cgi but it was amazing i know that lanky frame anywhere it's really the hip bones the lanky hip bones that's what's creepy Mm, that is creepy i would say my worst part are the underwear that was on that lanky body that was some (laughs) some (laughs) they look like my dad's granny panties so lived in though you guys said she's been living there forever so lived in (laughs) lived and deceased in you're telling me a zombie's doing laundry that's what y'all want me to think it's not actually the worst part of this movie it's just gross so i just want to say that i thought it was gross that's why they sent the dude in the hazmat in because you could smell the (laughs) panties all the way from downstairs but on more serious note the worst part for me really is the lack of availability for the spanish language version to be rented in an easily accessible place and that's honestly because i actually really loved this movie it's sure imperfect but i can't even like sit here and really consider a single thing that i could think this is the moment where it all fell apart if this were removed or this was fixed it'd be a perfect 10 out of 10 i really enjoyed it no complaints here and i will say that Immediately after this podcast, I will be watching Wreck 2. I'm, I'm open to re-watching this movie in the future. It's not going to be for a little while, but I think if I find myself in a zombie mood, I'll put this on again. 
I, for one, have watched this movie too many times, and it has not aged well for me personally. However, if you have not seen this, listeners, you should watch it at least once. I think for me, I've just seen it so much that it's lost its impact and it's become diluted. But if for a first watch, definitely check this out. I'll never watch this again. No, thank you. Wow. Okay. Well, I definitely will. Probably sometime in the near future because I'm like, oh, I want to watch uh, two, three, and four now. Yeah, it's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> well, it looks like Alexis and I can at least bond over this together. But for now, let's see what value Matt can add to us in Factor Fiction. Number one, the final scenes of the movie were filmed in just enough light for the actors to move around the apartment, then processed during post-production to look like night vision. Sure, that sounds great. I'm going to say fiction. I bet they were shot in complete darkness because it was very dark. But also... Angela could at least hear Pablo's voice, so her pretending she was reaching in every direction was unrealistic. She definitely was not faking. So are you with Paris on this? Yes, I'm with Paris. Okay. It is a fiction. Uh, They were actually filmed in darkness using the magic of infrared. Um, So good on the actors to be able to make it look real because it was real. You know, I should have thought about that harder because it's really hard to think about what infrared feels like or like that night vision thing unless you're in it because it is blackness. That's true. Number two, the moment when the fireman fell from the stairwell was kept hidden from the actors, so all of them had truly shocked reactions. Fact. I'm going to say fiction, because I feel like there were a couple actors near that body, and they would have to know about this. And also, I feel like that's a really difficult thing to keep secret. Fact. Oh, Alexis, you are correct. Why is this a fact? Because they didn't know what was going to happen, which is honestly the best way to really help your actors' mental health. (laughs) So, yeah, they did this in a way that would surprise as many actors as they could and then captured it on film and used it to make money. Could you imagine? (laughs) Whoa, shit, someone just fell from up there. (laughs) Number three, when asked about their casting decisions, the directors claim they chose relative unknowns not due to budget, but to give the film a more realistic feel. You know, I'm just going to keep going fact. I don't know. I feel like both can be true, both budget and more realistic. I'll say fiction. Fact. Yeah, Chris actually mentioned that this is what it seemed like earlier in the episode, and that's because this is a fact. They also said they picked people with good improv skills, so I'm waiting for their Netflix sketch comedy special to come out. Number four, the film was shot in chronological order, and several actors complained that the script was seemingly being written as filming progressed, so they struggled to get time to rehearse their lines. I'm going to once again go fact, because it seems like it's a realistic thing. They were just rolling. Everyone in the chat is saying fact. Everything's been a fact. I'm going to say fiction. I think I'm going to say fiction, too. I feel like you'd write your story, not as it's, you know, going through. Yeah. So this is a fiction. Yes, it was shot chronologically, but the actors were never given enough of the script to know what happened to their characters in advance, sometimes as late as, like, the day of filming. So they weren't lazy. didn't write it as they went, but they just didn't let you read it until it was time. So the gist was a fact, but... The vibe. It was a, it was, yeah, it was a factful vibe. <laughs> and number five, although the building appears rather large, the most expensive piece of the set that was built was the final attic apartment. Fact. Fiction. Oh, now we got to play a game of like, would you do more than one <laughs> fiction during all your facts for the night? Fiction, because that lobby was clearly the big set piece. I'm just going to say fiction. Uh, it's a fiction because you're all suckers. There were no sets built for this. They only filmed on real locations. I don't think that question makes sense, but I'm going to let you rock. I feel like you played us. Wait, but I thought that too. Okay. Welcome to his trickery. And then I was like, <laughs> did they get to write off the cost of building a building? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that's been Factor Fiction. Well, there you have it, folks. Wreck from 2007, as chosen and dictated by our patrons, has earned three hacks and two slashes. Now, we certainly had a robust discussion here, but it doesn't end here by any means. We want to know what you think. Did you prefer this film or its American remake? Let us know. You can join in on the conversation by hanging out with us for free in our Discord. You can click the link in our show notes to sign up. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons, like Nico and Amy. You can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access, extended episodes, bonus content, and live shows. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, we have to let everyone know what's going on here. Bye. Bye.